Our scripture today comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 51, verse 1 through 10. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my inequity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. So that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire the truth in, in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in, this, in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Good morning. God is good and greatly to be praised. Is not that choir singing up in here this morning? Amen, amen, amen. Let us pray. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord. By the power of grace divine, let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. I would like to use for a subject coming from this particular passage of scripture that was read into our hearing, a lesson for America. A lesson for America. According to Romans chapter three, verse 23, not some but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the question is not whether we have sinned because we have all sinned. But the question is, what do we do with the sin? When you have a problem, you feel compelled to do something about the problem. This is equally true with the sin problem. People have a consciousness and because they have been exposed to God's divine truth, they are not able to escape the inward compulsion to do something about their sin. Because of an inward compulsion to do something, sometimes we end up doing the wrong things with our sins. When Adam was confronted with personal sin, Adam thought of nothing else than to try to hide his sin from God. Adam heard the voice in the garden that said, I was afraid and because I was naked, I hid myself. It is a natural tendency for humanity to try to hide their sins from God. Jesus affirms it in John chapter 3, verse 19, when he says, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Not only do people hide their sins, others boast about their sins. But the reason that they boast about their sins is because their boasting ends up being a method of defense. They know that their sins are known, Therefore, they boast as a defense mechanism, while yet and still others will deny that they've ever sinned. You can't deny it. You can boast about it. You can try to hide it. But the fact of the matter is, everyone in here under the sound of my voice has sinned. 
and has fallen short of the glory of God. But unlike Father Adam, who gave us the wrong example of handling sin, in this 51st division of Psalms, David, the king of Israel, provides America with a lesson on how one should handle sin. David, a man after God's own heart, finds himself broken and out of fellowship with God. David was dealing with one of the most painful crises of his life, and that is there was an old prophet by the name of Nathan that had a confrontation with David after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had conspired to have her husband Uriah murdered. In this confrontation between Nathan and David, Nathan didn't say a whole lot, but he just said these words, David, thou art the man. Those words melted David's heart. David, like so many of us, has this inward compulsion to do something about his sin. David did not try to hide it from God. David did not go around bragging about his sin. And most of all, David did not deny it. The actions of King David provides for us a lesson on how you and I need to handle our sin predicament. He provides a lesson for America and a lesson for our church on how to handle sin. And if you're going to handle the sin problem in our lives, in our churches, in our nation, we have to have a more broader concept of what sin really is. When talking about the sin problem, we cannot continue to view personal sins that we commit in our body as the totality of what sin is. According to Walter Rauschenbusch, one of the leading social gospel movement writers wrote, whoever uncouples the religious and social life has not understood Jesus. In other words, we cannot disconnect the social or public sins from the private and the personal. What you do in private will dictate what you do in public. What I'm saying is that sin is not just one dimensional. But rather, according to Washington Bush, sin has six dimensions, but I'll break them down into three. First, we have personal sin that we commit in our bodies, lying, stealing, adultery, fornication. You know, the everyday run-of-the-mill sins that we struggle to fight against every day. <laughs> Secondly, we have corporate sin. The corporate sins are those sins that target low and poor income communities usually populated by black, brown, and poor white people living on the margins of society. These communities are targeted in that these communities you will find payday loan stores on almost every corner, charging an extra high interest rate, which the Bible calls usury. In these communities, you find gentrification is taking over forcing people to move out of the communities in which they grew up in, but never having the money to move, but so they find themselves living in dilapidated houses and sometimes even homeless. But the third dimension of sin is governmental sin, which are the kinds of sins that allows America to be the richest nation that has ever existed, but our homeless and houseless problem is shameful. 
when we look at the riches of America and look at our homeless and our, our problems, we need to just say, shame, shame, shame on you for allowing people to live in that condition and when we have so many resources. It's the kind of sin that will allow state politicians to benefit from world-class health insurance for themselves and their family, but they would not fund Medicaid expansion for those who voted to put them in office. Yet before the pandemic in 2019, 140 million Americans was living in poverty or just one emergency away from economic ruins in the world's richest nation that not only exists, but that has ever existed in history. When we become aware of the broad aspects of our sins, we can then become aware of what it is to do with our sins. David understood that the love and the grace of God, he knew that God desires to have fellowship with us because David loved God, David, could not stand being out of fellowship or relationship with God. David knew that when one was out of fellowship with God, that the Holy Spirit would no longer abide with them. Not only will the Holy Spirit not abide in the individuals, but the Holy Spirit would not abide with nations. Therefore, despite David's sin, he still knew the importance of the Holy Spirit. David knew that the wrong spirit had captured him. Just as the wrong spirit has captured David, the wrong spirit has captured America. A spirit of callousness, a spirit of greed, a spirit of self-centeredness, a spirit that produces the lack of civility. David did what our churches, governmental agencies, corporations, and people across America need to do, and that is David confessed his sins. So the question that stands before us on this morning is this. And that is, what is it that I need to do to be renewed with the right spirit? To be renewed with the right spirit, you must first confess and ask God's forgiveness. To confess means to acknowledge or to disclose one's misdeeds, faults, or sins. David earnestly sought out God's forgiveness because David knew that sin is what separates us from God. David did what our churches, government, and corporate world and the people walking across America must do, and that is confess our sins. I would suggest to you that I believe that America is in need of a national week of confession and repentance. I don't mean that you just say what, just say, Lord, I have sinned now. We need to confess it. We need to name it. We need to claim it. Then after we name it, then after we claim it, then we need to turn right back around and make sure that we do some things that have done harm to those people that we have sinned against. When we follow the model of King David, who earnestly sought out God's forgiveness, it was through the forgiveness of God that his brokenness was healed. If the brokenness of America is going to be healed, if the soul of the nation is going to be redeemed, if fractures of families are going to be mended, forgiveness is the way. And when we understand how important we are to one another, forgiveness is not only the way, forgiveness becomes a priority in our lives. 
Bishop Desmond Tutu, in his book, No Future Without Forgiveness, writes these words. He says, we are bound up in a delicate network of interdependence. Because as we say in our African idiom, a person is a person through other persons. To dehumanize one person, I am indirectly dehumanizing myself as well. David needs to be forgiven because his sins was running him crazy. He wanted God to wash him from his iniquity and cleanse him from his sins. Iniquity is the immoral or grossly unfair, wicked behavior that we must get out of our lives. Remember, these wicked acts are not done just by individuals, but they're done by our churches, by our government, by our corporation. And we must get rid of the wickedness in our policy decision making. The wickedness that brings harm to one section of our city but promotes another section. But not only does David teach America that we must confess and ask God for forgiveness, moreover, David teaches us that we must acknowledge our transgressions and our sins, and our transgressions are the laws that we have broken. So I would suggest to my brothers and to my sisters that acknowledging our sins and our transgressions is more than saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. David is saying that I accept and I admit the truth that I am a sinner. I am a transgressor. The evidence of David's sins and transgressions, according to David, was ever before him. David realized that as long as sin was present in his life, that David could never really have joy. David knew that God had to break him and make him over and over again so that he could experience the joy of the Lord. If one is experiencing the joy of the Lord, there must be a renewing of the right spirit. David not only provides America with a lesson of confession, asking God for forgiveness and acknowledging our transgressions and sins, but the last lesson that David has for America is that if America wants to be the America that God has called America to be, we must pray for a new and clean heart. David did not pray and ask God for any other material things, but rather David prayed for his heart and his spirit. Let me say that again. David prayed for his heart and his spirit. In verse 10, the text says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. David prayed for a cleansing of his past sins. He wanted to be cleansed from all of his sins, his transgressions, his iniquities, and from all of his shortcomings. David wanted a clean heart so that he would not succumb to the temptations and sin again. He wanted a clean heart, not a cleansing of an old heart. The kind of spiritual change David wanted was a radical change. It was the kind of change that Jesus demanded when he told Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Paul expressed a similar idea when he said, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Not only was David praying for a clean heart, he also prayed and wanted a renewed and right spirit. When we look at the concept of renewed and right spirit, it means to become fresh again. It means to become strong again. 
my brothers and my sisters, just as David prayed for a clean heart and a right spirit, we need to pray that for ourselves. I believe that David has a prayer for America. And if I could recite David's prayer for America, just be with me for a moment. David's prayer would go something like this. Father God, this is your servant, David. I come in the name of Jesus, not asking that you bless America because America is already blessed. But rather I come this morning asking that you create within America a clean heart and renew within us a right spirit. For we know that when America has a clean heart and a renewed right spirit, that America will become the moral compass for those of us that are moved by the cries of our sisters and our brothers. So we pray for America to receive a clean and a new heart that will cause us to care for the vulnerable, that will help us to be able to embrace the stranger, the heal the sick, to protect the worker. We pray that America will receive a new and a clean heart because a new and a clean heart allows us to welcome not some but all members of humanity into the body of Christ. A clean and a new heart will help us treat one another fairly. But the prayer goes on. Not only do we pray for a new and clean heart, we pray that America will experiencing a renewed and a right spirit. It's only by the renewing of a right spirit will all of our children be educated and never again push to the margins of our social consciousness. I pray this morning that when America experiences the right spirit, that our faith would get stronger. And we might get bruised and battered along the way, but there is no turning back. I pray this morning that America experiences a renewed and a right spirit, for when that happens, there will be no challenges that we cannot survive, no wars of the spirit we cannot defeat. I pray that not if, but when this happens to America, Amos 5 and 24 will become a reality in our life. And when it says, let justice run down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. And because America will receive a clean heart, because America will experience a renewing of the right spirit, America then has a choice to make. The choice is, will America continue to be a nation knowingly operating from the sinful principles of racism, bigotry, oppression, and systems of domination? Or will we become a nation that is striving to be the beloved community, that heals the sick, that sets the captives free, that takes care of the widows and the orphans, that feeds the hungry, that provides housing for the homeless, that provides health care for all, that makes sure everyone gets a living wage. We have a choice to make. And so I leave your country club, I leave your smoke parkway, and I ask you the question, what choice do you make? May God bless you and heaven smile on each and every one of you.